What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we got to discuss that big D-back series finale win over the Colorado Rockies. It's Jordan Lawler time and previewing the next series against the Chicago Cubs, all on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas 24 themyportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content, by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks about Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. Now, for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of things like Jordan Lawler's promotion. We'll also talk about uh, previewing the next series against the Chicago Cubs. But before we get there, I first want to discuss this Game 3 series finale over the, sh- over the Colorado Rockies because the D-backs desperately needed this series finale win and this whole series win over the Colorado Rockies. But of course, because of course they're fighting for a wild card spot and in that Game 2, the D-backs were looking pretty lifeless couldn't come through with runners in scoring position their pitching was actually you know somewhat solid I mean Brandon Fott didn't make it through five innings but your bullpen was still pretty good but it was just an overall lifeless loss in game two but in this series finale this D-backs team woke up and showed some signs of life and they acted like a team playing with a little desperation going against an inferior opponent because that's what the Rockies are. This D-backs team is miles ahead of the Rockies. Maybe the D-backs are not a World Series contender, but I do think they're in a different league than the Rockies. I think we saw that today because their offense absolutely exploded. You got 13 hits and it's kind of weird if you look at that box score because Corbin Carroll got uh, hit in the hand in this game he left x-rays came back negative he should be okay he should be in Thursday's game against the Chicago Cubs but if you look at the box score Corbin Carroll and then there's like eight dudes underneath him that like technically pinch hit for him or not even pinch hit but I guess replaced him in the game I don't know if you look at the box score says Jarvis Rivera Frias Nelson Paven Smith Castro McGuff right under like the replacing Corbin Carroll in the game so it's kind of weird if you look at the box score but everyone in the lineup had a hit that was a starter not named Corbin Carroll, right? Corbin Carroll didn't get to play much in this game because he left after like the fifth inning. But everyone else not named Corbin Carroll got a hit. Marte was good in this game, one to four. Fam was huge. Three hits, three RBIs. And really, uh, the D-backs had two monster home runs in this game that really powered them. Alec Thomas, who has been really, you know, has been Picking it up, I think, since Jake McCarthy has been sent down, it seems like Alec Thomas has gotten a little bit hotter at the plate. He was two for four, big five RBIs, huge day from Alec Thomas, who I think is really starting to come into his own a little bit. I think we've really seen him grow as an offensive player in the second half of this season because 
you you know, last year, he was really good that first like month, month and a half when he first got caught up by the D-backs. He was playing really well. Then he had a prolonged stretch where he struggled. He, you know, was up and down with the minors. You look at this season, struggled to begin the season. Also, you know, wasn't the best at times. And then post-All-Star break, you know, Thomas spent a little time in AAA. Uh, Thomas is back with the D-backs now, and he has just looked really good post-All-Star break. He just looked to, it looks like he's growing his confidence. I think he's getting better at the type of pitches he wants to attack. I think he's elevating the ball a little bit more. The hard contact is there. Um, starting to get a little bit more lift, more line drive, just like what I'm seeing from Thomas with his speed and, of course, his elite defensive ability love what we've seen from thomas recently Guriel had a monster home run in this one that was huge we even got a longoria hit herrera had a couple hits per domo did a few things like this was just an overall team effort where you had extra base hits galore in this series finale and yeah the pitching wasn't great because zach davies um five earned runs three innings pitch and it's kind of funny because we're going to be talking about the jordan lawler thing later but my homie sent me a tweet when the d-backs were losing because i don't know who it was um but someone tweeted out D-backs DFA Nick Ahmed and call up Jordan Lawler. Just kidding. D-backs down 4-0 to the Colorado Rockies. That was like when the D-backs were down 4-0. He sent that tweet out as a joke. Then literally D-backs end up having one of their best offensive games of the season. They put 12 runs in Chase Field. And then right after the game, Jordan Lawler called up Nick Ahmed DFA. And I don't know if he had insider info when he tweeted that out or if it was just the most perfectly timed joke of all time. But it was just beautiful things to see and we'll definitely be talking about Jordan Lawler uh coming up here a little bit later but Zach Davies was not great in this ball game but thankfully for him the bullpen was Bryce Jarvis got a win he was really um good in this two innings no hits no earned runs makes me do question why Slade Kokoni was sent down I know he was crushed by the Orioles but Slade has been so good for the D-backs um doing different things and it's like the bullpen has so many dudes I don't trust like the Castros and the McGuffs and the Frias of the world like why is Slade Kokoni being sent back down but at least for today everyone in the bullpen was very good you didn't even need to go to a Paul Seawald or Kevin Ginko like yeah you pitched Kyle Nelson but you're basically able to save your two best relievers Frias came in got two strikeouts Castro McGuff and Kyle Nelson all did their job as well and now when you look at the D-backs of course other teams are currently playing but at least for the standings of course a win is going to help tied with the Miami Marlins right now in the wild card race uh do the Marlins have uh yeah at the time of us recording this the Marlins are up 11 to 4 on the Dodgers so even though we like to see the Dodgers lose we're kind of rooting for the Dodgers right now um as they take on the Marlins because it seems like the Marlins are going to win up seven runs in the ninth inning so they'll probably go ahead of the d-backs in the standings but the 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 series that really matters for the d-backs coming up is the next one d-backs versus the chicago cubs of course because when you look at the nl wildcard standings like the cubs are continuing to just play really good baseball there are 12 games above 500 as it currently stands they're what like four games ahead uh, or i think they're three and a half games ahead of the D-backs, four games ahead of the D-backs for that wild card spot. So the Cubs are going to have um, the strength, you know, in this head-to-head battle against the D-backs because they're going to have this four-game lead already on them in the wild card race. So the the Cubs can, they don't want to, you know, take their foot off the gas, but they can, you know, be like, you know what, we don't have to take three out of four of the series. A, a series split will be just good enough. I don't want to 
you know, talk too much about the Cubs versus D-backs series and what needs to happen for the D-backs before we preview the series. But just wanted to make that note. D-backs still going to be behind the Marlins, the Reds, and the Cubs and Phillies in the standings even after today's win. But at least the D-backs showed signs of life able to get the offense back on track. Maybe the rotation didn't look good, but at least the bullpen had a great showing. Everyone in your lineup outside of Corbin Carroll got a hit. And now we got Jordan Lawler on the way as well, which we're going to be talking about next. I'm still holding out hope as a D-backs fan that we're still going to make the playoffs. And one thing that you never have to hold out hope for is eBay Motors because they always come through for the crew, if you need any parts for your car, because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, and let's discuss Jordan Lawler getting called up to the show. Jordan Lawler potentially making his D-backs debut in game one against the Chicago Cubs. If you look at Baseball America, he's listed at like number 13 overall. MLB.com, I think, has him listed at number 11. And then Baseball Prospectus, number 24. Entering this past season, Jordan Lawler is that guy. When you look at the numbers, what he did in AA this past season wasn't even that phenomenal. He had 15 home runs, 33 stolen bases, just a counting stats machine. He did that in 89 games. 263 average, 840 OPS. You'll take those numbers don't jump off the page to you, but you do like to see the 47 walks in 89 games. That's decent. Three, <coughs> excuse me, 366 OBP. Got the home runs. Got the speed as well. You like to see that. Mm, excuse me, hold on. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, I had a cough real quick. Um, Yeah, so for Jordan Lawler, you love to see the counting stats, but when he got called up to AAA, the numbers didn't fall off for Jordan Lawler. In only 16 games, small sample size, but a 358 average, a 1049 OPS, five home runs, three stolen bases, and all I want to say is thank you, Arizona Diamondbacks, for listening to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast because how many podcasts have I done the past week where I said, should the D-backs call up Jordan Lawler? It's time for the NL wildcard team to start calling up their top prospect for this, you know, run down the stretch. Let's talk to Lindsey Crosby about what other prospects, D-backs, uh, you know, maybe the D-backs should consider getting called up. So I've been on this train of let's call up Jordan Lawler. Let's call up the top prospects, you know, down the stretch to really help this team make it, you know, for this postseason push. And that's exactly what the D-backs are doing. And just another sign of the D-backs showing commitment to this season because, 
at times we've had questioned, you know, how serious are the D-backs for this season, right? Because you are playing a guy for most of the season, a Nick Ahmed. You did trade for a Jace Peterson at the trade deadline. We did see Mad Bum make a whole bunch of starts at the beginning of the season, and it felt like Paven Smith was batting lead off or cleaning up like every game. But as the season progresses, the D-backs have probably let their mistakes play out way too long, you know, for stretches throughout the season. But at least they have realized their mistakes and have moved away from it, right? They cut Madison Bumgarner at the beginning of the season. They sent Paven Smith down, down to the minor leagues. They move Corbin Carroll up in the lineup, right? You send down Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy when they were struggling and then called them up when they were playing better. Now you're calling up Jordan Lawler to help down the stretch. You're DFAing Nick Ahmed, which is maybe the craziest part of this whole thing because Nick Ahmed... Listen, if you, you could watch a low light reel of Nick Ahmed just this season of swing at pitches, not just in the dirt. These are pitches that are hitting the plate and skipping to Nick Ahmed before he swings, kind of like a kickball, like Nick Ahmed as a defensive player has always been above major league average, not just above her, has always been one of the better defensive shortstops in major league baseball, two-time gold glove winner, but his defense has not been so elite that has outweighed his offensive or lack of offensive contributions because for his career, Nick Ahmed is a 234 hitter, a 664 OPS guy with a 75 OPS plus. Nick Ahmed has always been a below average player. And I think for this D-backs team, like, yeah, Nick Ahmed is going to be top five among a whole bunch of franchise leaderboard stats, but Nick Ahmed... If we're going to be truthful, he was never that good of a Major League Baseball player. Yes, he could play defense. That one season, 2019, when he's a gold glove winner hitting 19 home runs, fine. You can, that guy can be serviceable in your lap. But for the majority of his career, I don't think Nick Ahmed was really that good of a Major League Baseball player. So now that you're swapping him out with a top prospect in Major League Baseball or top shortstop prospect in Major League Baseball, I think, I guess Jackson Holiday would be ahead of him. Regardless, Lawler's up there, and to bring him in, what he's going to do for this lineup, the way he's going to stretch it, the depth in the lineup now, because now um, you just look at, let me pull up, let me go back to today's game uh, as an example of what the best version of the D-backs in the lineup can be with uh, Nick Ahmed out, because Nick Ahmed, you look at today's lineup, um, shortstop Nick Ahmed did not play, of course. You had Araldo Perdomo. But when you think about the best version, the Z-backs lineup, you probably got Corbin Carroll in right. You probably got Thomas in center field, Gurriel in left field, Christian Walker at first base, Marte at second base, Lawler at shortstop. And then I would probably go either Perdomo or Longoria at third base, depending on the day. You probably go Tommy Pham at DH, and then that's a pretty nasty one through nine. Like Lawler all of a sudden, because of... The depth of this D-backs lineup, like maybe he bats like 7th or 8th or something because we know we love Perdomo, that number 9 spot. That I totally forgot about Moreno at catcher. Like, how are you going to stack up your 1-2-3? Carroll's your number 1. Marte's your number 2, probably. Like, if I'm just looking at today's lineup, Fam is your number 3. Walker is your number 4. Maybe Gurriel's your number 5. Alec Thomas is your number six. Moreno is your number seven. Lawler is your number eight. And then Perdomo is your number nine. And then maybe swap in a Longoria for a Perdomo or a Longoria for a fam or something like that. Like, I think that lineup, it's like 
I think that's deep. I think that's long. I don't think there's a lot of weaknesses in that lineup. Like, that makes me feel really good um, as a D-back fan. If I'm an opposing team, like, yeah, that lineup can do some damage. And then when you think about the D-back's identity this season as an offensive team, right, it's all about creating chaos. It's all about creating havoc. And if you're the D-backs, you're adding Jordan Lawler with that speed, and he's got some pop as well. Hopefully, we don't need Jordan Lawler to be, you know, come in and just I don't even know the phrase I want to say, but we don't need Jordan Lawler to come in and just run away with the rookie of the year and steal it from Corbin Carroll this season, right? We don't need Jordan Lawler to come in and just do what J.D. Martinez did for the D-backs when they acquired him at the deadline. But what would be really nice for Jordan Lawler to do is maybe just do what Corbin Carroll did his very first season with the D-backs, not this season with the D-backs, but 2022. Because last season with the D-backs, Corbin Carroll, in 32 games, 104 at-bats, he had four home runs, two stolen bases, a 260 average, 830 OPS, 133 OPS plus. Like, Corbin Carroll, was he a superstar in those 32 games? No, but he definitely showed the flashes as to why he can be, you know, why he's going to win the Rookie of the Year this season and going to get some MVP votes. So, if Jordan Lawler could come in and just flash for the final stretch of the season, and maybe he does have a 250 average, 780 OPS, but if he can hit... You know, in 30 games, I guess, you know, there's like 18 games up. In 18 games, if you could hit two home runs and steal like five or six bags, I think that would be really impressive. Love that the D-backs called up Jordan Lawler. Bye-bye, Nick Ahmed. I'm really sorry. Franchise leader, a fan favorite still, but he just has not been that productive for this D-backs team in a long time. Very excited to see what Jordan Lawler, the next D-back superstar, can do for the future of this franchise. Now we're going to be talking about the D-backs vs. Cubs series. But before we get there, a quick word from our sponsors. And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series XM app and search up Diamondbacks. Now let's preview the next series against the Chicago Cubs because like I mentioned before, the D-backs are in the thick of the NL wildcard race and the Cubs are going to be a team that they're playing seven times over the next three series and this is going to be the most crucial part, the most critical part of their schedule. D-backs, I think, are four games behind the Cubs. The Marlins, as we're recording this podcast, did beat the Dodgers, so the Marlins own the third wildcard spot. Reds, of course, are ahead of the D-backs because they own the tiebreaker, but the D-backs, 72-68, and 68, half game back of that third wildcard spot, but D-backs do have potential to climb all the way up to that number two spot because next up, like we've been saying, is the Chicago Cubs, and it's a four-game series. Your next two series are four-game series, which is just kind of fun and interesting, but against the Cubs, this is how the D-backs pitching uh, rotation is going to break down. You got Ryan Nelson versus Javier Assad in game one, Zach Gallon versus Jameson Tyone in game two, Merrill Kelly versus Justin Steele in game three, and then Brandon Fott versus Kyle Hendricks in game four. The D-backs need more than just a split in this series. I don't, again, this is going to be like the same question that I asked when the D-backs just played this four-game series against the Cincinnati Reds most recently. Like, do the D-backs need a sweep against the Chicago Cubs? I'm prob- I felt more strongly that the D-backs need a sweep over the Reds and the Cubs because at the time that the D-backs were playing the Reds, the D-backs had already lost 
three games to the Reds this season. So for the D-backs to own the tiebreaker over the Reds, they had to sweep that last series. So they could be four and three against the D-back. So they could be four and three against the Reds on the season. But against the Cubs, the D-backs have yet to play the Cubs this season. So that is why you don't need to sweep. I do think you need to at least win this series because at least because even though you're going to have another series against the Cubs right after this one, I still think you want to take at least three out of four and just put yourself a half game back of the Cubs. If you split the series, you really don't gain any ground, but if you win three out of four, then you make up a couple games and it gets just that much closer. You win one extra game. I just think it matters so much more. I do think winning the series versus splitting the series could matter a lot. Now, you can still take the tiebreaker with a series split because then the next series, three games, you take two out of three there. And now you own the playoff tiebreaker over the Chicago Cubs. But I think it's more important for the D-backs to win three out of four this time and then win two out of three the next series. So you can just say, screw the tiebreaker. Screw having a tie. I just have a better record than the Chicago Cubs. So for the D-backs, I want them to see... I want to see them take three out of four against the Cubs. I don't think just two games, a series split, is enough. And when you think about um, who's pitching in the series for the D-backs, game one is going to make you kind of on the edge of your seat because Ryan Nelson has not been good for the D-backs this season. And the last two starts for Ryan Nelson, I don't think he's pitched that good. I mean, the numbers say... Three innings, six earned runs, three innings, six earned runs in his last two starts. So at least Ryan Nelson is consistent, but he's not one of those guys that was sent down to the minor leagues, got called up, and then immediately started playing well again. No, he was struggling, got sent down to the minor leagues, got called up, and now is struggling still. So I don't know how long Ryan Nelson lasts in this rotation, and it's just another question as to why it's Ryan Nelson pitching instead of Slaker Coney. I, I just don't understand that when Slaker Coney has been so good. Javier Assad, don't know much about him, but his stats, 269 ERA and 67 strikeouts. He looks pretty good just from the peripherals. Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly, I mean, that's where this, and Brandon Fott too, I mean, you could throw in here. But really, Gallon Kelly, I mean, if those two don't come through in a big-time way, I mean, this, the D-backs have no chance. And I wish we got Gallon versus Justin Steele for, so we could have that Cy Young potential matchup between those two. Those two guys are vying for that Cy Young award because, like we've said on a podcast recently, did Zach Gallon lose a Cy Young award? He hasn't officially like lost the award like he's out the race, but he is no longer the front runner. But a series like this against a team that's directly ahead of you in the wild card race, if Zach Allen could be phenomenal in game two, like elite electric, like seven innings, don't earn run, 12 strikeouts, I think that would be huge. And then also for Merrill Kelly going against Justin Steele, if Justin Steele can struggle in that game three, and the D-backs can really take it to him. I do think we can maybe see a little flip of the Cy Young award race between a Zach Allen and Justin Steele. But I do think Gallon would have to be absolutely phenomenal. And Justin Steele would have to struggle mightily. But Zach Allen, what he does have going for him in these um, in the Cy Young award race is going to be volume. He just has a bigger workload than pretty much any other pitcher in that Cy Young award race outside of a couple dudes. Um, so I do like that going for him. And then with Brendan Fott in game four, like it's going to be a massive uh, game time situation to see if he can step up to the plate when... Because, look, he's only going to have a couple more starts, like three more starts for the rest of the season. So these are going to be the biggest starts of his career. These are borderline playoff starts. And, of course, Brandon Fott's a rookie. 
The pressure might be too much for him, but pressure also makes diamonds. And Brandon Fott goes out there and just absolutely lights it up, looks dominant in that game against the Chicago Cubs. I think that will make us feel really good about Brandon Fott and his long-term future. But all those guys are going to have multiple opportunities. Like, this is only step one, like, for Gallon and Fott to make us feel good. For us to feel good about Gallon really potentially winning the Cy Young Award race, you have to be good against the Cubs this series and the next couple of starts you have. For us to feel good about Fott, about him in big-time situations and the long-term future, has to be good. He has to be good against the Cubs in this series and the last couple starts he has on the year you got the cubs this series then mets then cubs again and then after that the giants so three of your next four opponents thick in the nl wildcard race but now we got jordan lawler getting called up to hopefully make an immediate impact and really take it to those wildcard teams no more nick ahmed if we could just get jace peterson out there now it would be a borderline perfect lineup but I'm ready for this final stretch of the season. I'm ready for Jordan Lawler time, and hopefully the D-backs can capitalize on their playoff push. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. For your second listen of the day, check out the Lockdown MLB podcast with our boy Sully Baseball. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the XM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe. Stay healthy. Doses.